just a little uh, trivia, it is Labor Day weekend, and so how many of you know what Labor Day is all about? Besides, we get to be off, right? So that's a wonderful thing. Well, it was established by the unions to pay tribute to all working men and women. It was established in New York in 1882. That's where the first parade happened. And so to all you working men and women, I want to say congratulations. We pay tribute to you this morning. And if you're retired, awesome. Thank you very much for your service. And if you need a job, we have a prayer for you. No worries. All right. So how many of you are thankful for your jobs? Yes? Amen, right? And how many of you love your job? (laughs) Not as much enthusiasm, right? I am blessed that I love my job. There's a... so much about Croc that I could just talk about all day, and I am uh, so fortunate to be where I am today. But like I heard kind of the moans and groans across this room this morning, not everybody is that fortunate, right? Not everybody loves their job. In fact, I know people who are miserable at their job. Not here at Croc, of course, but people elsewhere that absolutely hate their jobs. That they live for Friday. They can't wait for Friday. It's all about TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. In fact, so popular is that saying TGIF that there's actually a restaurant named after that, right? I mean, nobody says TGIM. Nobody says, thank God it's Monday. Very few people say, man, I can't wait for this weekend to be over with so that I can go back to work on Monday, right? I think Monday, the favorite thing that we can think about Monday is mostly for the guys when it was NFL football, right? Monday night football. Otherwise, Monday was not a favorite. I'm going to share with you some Gallup poll findings about Mondays. It says that 50% of employees show up late to work on Monday, that productivity on Monday is down 30%. That most people on a Monday don't even smile until 11.16 a.m. On a more serious note, heart attacks increase by 20% on Mondays. And the saddest of all, Mondays is the highest day for suicides. Not good for Mondays. And before we go forward, let's just bow our head in a little prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this new day gifted unto our lives. Holy Spirit, we say have your way in this place. Father, we ask that you would uh, feed us a fresh word today, a fresh manna, Heavenly Father, that would strengthen us throughout our week. And Father, that we would bring glory and praise unto your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so wow. How do things go so bad just from Sunday to Monday. I mean, on Sunday, we're all here in church, right? The praise and worship is beautiful. Those angelic voices and music transcend us to a different place, a place where we can forget about our woes, we can decompress and let go of the stress that we were carrying all throughout the week. We're in this beautiful sanctuary. It's a place of refuge and safety, We feel good in here, and our batteries are recharged, so to speak. 
Why is it then that when the service is over and we leave the comforts of these four walls that we dread Mondays so much? How does it happen that so much bad occurs on Monday? Well, one of the things I can tell you is that not everyone goes to church, so they're not fed the way that we are, right, to face the rest of the week. And then oftentimes, it's our attitude that's in the way. We see the, we see the cup half empty instead of half full. We're easily sucked into all the negativity that might be going around, might be going on around the office. So to make a change, we need to see our work as a ministry unto Jesus. We need to do it as a ministry unto Christ, whatever our work might be. The word ministry in its Greek form actually means to serve. In Matthew 20, 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, ministry happens wherever God has placed you to serve, and a job done for God for his purpose is actually doing ministry. So you are in ministry, whatever your job is. Are you a nurse? Treat every patient like they're your own family. Are you a teacher? Sow into the lives of those children like they are your own. Are you a custodian? Clean like it's your own house. You are really placed at your job to be a light for Christ, to minister to your co-workers just that Christ at one time ministered unto you, and he continues to do that today. In Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Can I get a good amen on that one, right? Well, maybe you think, hey, Vaughn, I'm a hard worker, but I can't talk about the Bible at work. I'll get in trouble. Anyways, I don't even know that much about the Bible. Well, number one, I want to tell you, your actions and your character speak louder than any words that you can say. And number two, you don't, have to, you don't have to quote scripture from the Bible, but study your Bible anyway, because it will give you a heart of compassion. Your time in the word, it will influence your thoughts to be positive, and it will give you wisdom throughout your week. And studying your Bible, it will also give you the right words of encouragement to speak to those who are struggling. You see, God loves your co-workers. Even those nasty, backbiting, mean ones. God loves them. Or maybe you feel unqualified to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others because of some sin in your past or something that you're currently struggling with. I want to share with you a story about a man in the Old Testament who felt unqualified for the job that God, God had called him to do. It's the story of Moses, and you're probably very familiar with it. It's in Exodus chapter 3. And you know, as, as I uh, was putting this message together, and then came to, to church last week, and Major Debbie actually preached from the book of Exodus in chapter 4. And those of you who were here, you heard that. And I was sitting there and I thought, ooh, she's already in Exodus. Should I change my message, Lord? But throughout the week, he never told me to change it. So I just really believe that God wants to give us a message today 
continuing in the book of Exodus. And so here we are, Exodus chapter 3, and at this time, Moses isn't an adult. You know, although he grew up a prince, royalty, he knew he was different. He knew that on the inside, he was really a Hebrew. He was an Israelite, and he struggled with that. He struggled with his allegiance to the royal family that had been so good to him, an Egyptian princess mother who actually loved him dearly, and yet he felt a deep commitment to his people, the Israelites who were suffering in slavery. Moses actually fled from Egypt, as you heard Major Debbie say last week, after killing an Egyptian, and he is now living in Midian, far away from his people, his people that are still suffering at the hands of the Egyptians. And so we pick it up in in verse 7, Exodus chapter 3, and it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. How many people do you know who are at work, who are feeling oppressed and mistreated? Maybe not by their boss, maybe by their coworkers. Maybe it's on their job, or maybe their personal life struggles are negatively affecting their quality of work, which can put their employment in jeopardy. You may not know what's going on in their life, but God sees their struggle. And he wants to use you and me to bring them hope and encouragement. We may not know who's struggling, yet when we submit and we are obedient to God, he uses us to touch the lives of our co-workers, even when we have no clue what's going on in their lives. Verse 8 says this, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. It's a lot of ites. Verse 9 says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppressions with which the Egyptians oppressed them. And ten, come now. Therefore, I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. You see, just like the Israelites, those people that you know at work who are really struggling, God wants to deliver them. He wants to deliver them out of their misery, deliver them out of their depression, Deliver them out of their business, bitterness, to a place of peace beyond all understanding. They need a special delivery message of love from God, and you are the mailman. You may be the only Jesus that they will ever see, and you have the perfect opportunity to walk across the room and share the love of God, often in a very simple yet profound way. If they won't come to church, then we can take the church to them. That's what outreach is all about. Just as God sent Moses to lead the Israelites out of captivity in the Old Testament, it's no different today. God is sending you and sending me to lead his people to freedom out of the hand of the enemy who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But they need to know that Jesus came That backside of that verse is even more important. 
that Jesus came that we can have life and have it in abundance. That's what the cross is all about. Verse 11 says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Moses had an identity issue. He didn't know who he was. He grew up with so much confusion. He was raised by royalty, but felt such a deep commitment to his, to his Hebrew people who were in slavery. And now Mo is now living in Midian, a fugitive because he killed an Egyptian. And it's been many, many years that Mo has been living far away from all that drama back in Egypt. In fact, Mo has a wife now, Zipporah. He's working for his father-in-law, Jethro, in a pretty cushy job back in those days. He's just like out in the fields, watching, tending to the sheep, enjoying the fresh air and the green grass. He has a son, Gershom, and life is good. It's sort of like out of sight, out of mind. Moses is enjoying his newfound life, and he doesn't have to deal or be faced with everything that's going on back in Egypt with his people, all the suffering. And isn't that how it is sometimes today with us? That it's easier to be over here and go on with our lives and not really pay attention to everything that's going on over there and the people that are suffering. Then God interrupts Mo's, he interrupts Mo's life on Easy Street. And now God has a real job for Mo to do. He's calling Moses to free his people from the Egyptians. But like Major Debbie went over, Mo has all kinds of excuses why God should get someone else to do the job. Church, if we are going to go to work for Jesus, we have to know who we are. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you will be ill-equipped to get the job done to share his love with others, to meet them where they're at, to meet them in their time of need, and to ultimately lead people to Christ. We need to spend time with Jesus on our knees in prayer. We need to spend time with God in his word. It develops an intimate relationship between us and Jesus. And to know him and his word is to know who we are in Christ. That relationship together with our testimony are the tools that we need to be that excellent worker for Jesus. You see, Moses was hesitant because he didn't believe he could do the job because he didn't know who he was in Christ. Verse 12 says, he said, I will certainly be with you. See, God just doesn't tell Mo that he is with him. God says, I will certainly be with you. I am for sure with you, Moses. Same way God is with us. He tells us that he is with us. And sometimes we don't believe it. We can't see it. Because in the natural, you can't do it. You're right. Just like Moses. In the natural, we can't do it. But when God, when God places his super on your natural we can do amazing things for his kingdom. When we are obedient to God's call on our life, it's not about what we can do, it's about what God can do in and through us. 
So you see, Christians, at your workplace, your character is your source of power. The quality of your work changes because of the power of the cross. You're different. You're a cut above the rest. You're the one who is early to work every Monday morning. You're the one whose productivity is 110% every Monday. You have a genuine smile on your face even before you arrive at the office because you've already done your devotion, spent time with God in the early hours of the morning, and you're ready to shine Jesus in all that you do and to all that come in your path. You see, the greater one lives inside of you. You are wired and graced by God to be more than a conqueror at your workplace. When your coworkers talk about you, it's about how great of a worker you are and what a super example you are and not where the heck you are. No, you are a leader at the workplace. No matter your position, you do it all unto Jesus. If you're the boss, you lead with excellence. If you're the custodian who scrubs toilets, they are the cleanest toilets on this island. You take pride in the quality of your work because Jesus is all about excellence. You set the bar for excellence. New employees and others don't quite know you, but they just sense that there's something about you. They're asking, who's that lady? Who's that man? Because your actions speak loud for Jesus, and they want some of that. They want to be like you. They, wanna, they want what you have. You see, friends, when you have that kind of attitude and passion for your work, it becomes contagious, and you start looking forward to Mondays, and you cause others to welcome Mondays as well. You'll be saying, thank God it's Monday. Say it with me. Thank God it's Monday. Tomorrow, wake up and say, Lord, TGIM. Many of you will be on holiday, but the following Monday will come around for sure. And you'll wake up and you'll say, Lord, TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. In closing, I just like to pray for us. I just like to pray for three things. If you have a job that you don't like, you know, you don't even like the people, and you say, Lord, I'm the only Christian at my workplace. You need to do something. You need to get me out of here. I'm going to say this to you. Continue to pray on your knees. Continue to be in his word. Because you, being the only Christian, when you shine the light of Jesus at your workplace, soon you won't be the only Christian. Because people will see who and what you are, and they'll want to be Christian as well. If you're on the job, second prayer, you're on the job, but it's quite overwhelming. There's so much to do. It's like the Peter principle, you know, you rise to your level of incompetence, and you're just overwhelmed. You're struggling. I want to pray for you. And I want to tell you, you're not alone. We all go through those times when we think, God, it's just too much. I can't do this. We need to ask him to put his super on our natural so that we can do all that he has called us to do. Or maybe you just need a job. You need the right job. You have a family to feed and rent to pay. And you're asking, God, I've been 
needing a job. I've been faithful. I just want to say, continue to be faithful in the little things, and God will bring the more. You see, we serve a faithful God who sees your struggle and your pain.